Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is there a future for the Aliens franchise? Can anything replace that Mass Effect shaped hole in our sci fi heart? And we remember the life of Tom Dwyer of the Big Daddy Road Show. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows if you get a chance, check out on our Pop Culture Cosmos or Game Source or wherever you can get our shows. You can go ahead and check out our ongoing D&D adventure, The Lost Mine of Fandover. Uh, just truly a great adventure so far. We're over 30 hours in, so we're really having a great time. You can check that out either live on Mondays from 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific Time, or you can check it out on demand right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. We know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of social issues, and and want to go ahead and let you know that if you're interested in my thoughts on the subject, you can go ahead and check out my recent Lakers Fast Break with Tom Wong and also the episode I did this week with Rafael Barlow. You can check out those episodes today at the Lakers Fast Break podcast or on the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast channels. We go into depth on the current issues at hand and we talk about all the different scenarios and all the different things that are going on. So if you want to go ahead and check out that, please do so. We just we cannot thank you enough if you do. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but we just truly appreciate you listening to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I was about ready to go ahead and contact a milk company because it looked like his face needed to be put on a milk carton. But it is... A return to us once again of my good friend. You know him as the man behind the great book, Congratulations, You Suck. He's also our good friend when it comes to a great podcast that he does each and every time out with Topic Topicocalypse. But it is a good man indeed, and he returns to us once again. It is Josh Peterson. And Josh... My gosh, I was going to have to go ahead and send the dogs out for you because, man, your face was going to be put on posters up on the sidewalk right there. Have you seen this man? 
just long overdue for a return to the pop culture cosmos. Rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just glad to have you back, my friend. I do want to go ahead and thank so much Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com, also as well Ben Arnault from Smoking Hot Confessions, and Noah Ian Fine from the Hunnic Outcast for taking the time and filling that gap, that Josh Peterson-sized gap in the past couple weeks. Just truly appreciate them hanging out with me for the past few episodes. But we are going to be talking about a lot of great things today, including, well, speaking of large gaps, uh, you know, we, we talk so much on this show about our love for Mass Effect and all the great things that are going on there. But there's no Mass Effect right now that's really that's new, that's out, that's fresh. We're hoping something will come away down the horizon or maybe even a remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy. But is there something out there that can take the place right now that can just try and and be that fill-in gap for us. We're going to talk about a couple things that are out there that have been out for a while in Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen and really delve into those two games and, and see why there's some promise and why they actually are still not there yet when it comes to replacing that Mass Effect shape hole in our hearts. Speaking of sci-fi, Ridley Scott said a lot about the Aliens franchise recently and we'll talk about that as well. And the Game Gear Micro, the retro craze continues for the Game Gear Micro. We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show. And we will remember Tom Dwyer, who recently passed away last week. He was the host of the Big Daddy Road Show. His producer, Ryan John Tambasco, is going to stop on the show later on this broadcast. And you know what? He's going to talk about his interactions with them and the show that they created and his thoughts on Tom Dwyer, and I'm going to share some as well because I was truly thankful for the time that I got to spend on his show, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Ryan had to say later on in the program. But first, my friend, it is Aliens, something that you are more familiar with than I am, something that you are more fond of when it comes to the Aliens franchise. But 82-year-old Ridley Scott, still kicking, still alive out there, still talking some Aliens, I wish he would talk more about a you know a third episode in the Blade Runner franchise, but he's talking aliens. So he's talking about how that there's still a lot of mileage, quote-unquote, left in the franchise, and how he'd like the next evolution of the Covenant franchise now to go into maybe, let's say, the, the how the eggs that were found originally in the in the original Alien movie the, how the eggs evolved and, and how they came to be. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Xenomorph eggs and the whole Aliens franchise. I know you have a great affinity for it. I know you've talked off and on about it over the past couple of years, but your thoughts on a continuation of the Alien franchise. Is there enough mileage left in that franchise? Is this based on his comments at the uh, during the Alien anniversary, or is this something more recent? This is something more recent. He had a uh, conversation, I believe, with the LA Times. This, it's funny you ask me this because we actually just watched those movies a couple weeks ago. We started with Prometheus and then we watched Alien Covenant. But I I do love those movies. I do love them. Did not like Covenant that much. Like, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Alien 1, Alien 2, uh, classic films. Alien 3 had its issues, right? The whole thing. It was David Fincher, right? That did that. And he was had like a Josh Trank thing where they locked him out of the 
out of the editing and uh it, it was just it seemed like the production of that film was a mess alien 4 was tra- was comically aware of itself and i did appreciate that but you know going back to these other films i did like enjoy the alien vs predator films uh but you know prometheus was such a beautiful film it was so well written and the colors and the editing and everything about the film was just it was breathtaking and they set up these deep theological and philosophical questions and then with alien covenant they just went back to the whole thing that they did before they blew a massive storytelling opportunity and for that like i don't know how excited i could be about a third movie in that series you know, I, I know I was reading things where they're saying they go back to where the engineers came from like that. That was just an outpost where they were and they're actually going to go to where the engineers came from. But I, I just I don't know. I don't trust it. You know, like there was such a great storytelling opportunity presented and then they just kind of blew it because people wanted to see nudity and gore like it was it it really like broke my heart watching that movie. And uh, I don't know if I'd be down for a third one. What I would be down for, though, is like a true sequel. Maybe that takes place 20, 20, 30, 40, 50 years after Resurrection. You know, give me something new, you know. And and I know that they do need to finish the the Covenant trilogy, but it's just, it's, I don't know, man. I just like, I would, yes, I'd probably watch it, but I just, I feel so let down by Covenant still. You know, my review's up on popculturecosmos.com. You can still check it out. But I just, it still has, like, has my heart feeling sad. Do they need to finish it? Do they? Well, people are going to want to finish it. Like, Disney, if there's one thing that I can credit Disney with is is that they do good things with continuity. I mean, like, even their other properties, look at uh, Maleficent, right? Like, they go back and and really rounded out the story of Sleeping Beauty, which I still have never seen. But, I mean, they they do a good job of going around and rounding out their stories, giving people closure. So I don't think if they were going to put funding into another Alien film that they would let it sit without finishing Covenant. Like, they would let that big gap sit there, especially if Ridley Scott had a third film already planned out. I still think it's misguided. I still think the better opportunity is not in the Alien franchise, but it's in the Blade Runner franchise. I mean, you and I see from the fan reaction that's out there, you and I see from the emails, the comments, and there are other things which you and I are actually cannot say at this point in time, which you and I are privy to, that lead us to the conclusion that the Blade Runner franchise could have more potential. Yes, I get the fact that Blade Runner 2049 was not a box office success, but it has grown a new life in home video. It, it just, it's been one of the most popular videos that came out ever since its release as far as that year it came out. I mean, it was on par with the Marvel movies that were out there. So it's just something I would, I would really see him, you know, in his final years to gear towards that type of venture because he is in his final years per se as a director so i'd like to see him geared towards that i think he should focus more of his attention on that avenue than let's say go towards more effort into the alien franchise because i think it's a, a franchise that you're getting more diminishing returns than anywhere else 
Yeah, I know. And I know there was like talks about rebooting it, but I want to jump back to Blade Runner for a minute. You said that it is doing really well on home video, but do you think that people are, I don't want to sound rude, but do you think they're intellectual enough to appreciate a film of that depth anymore? Again, you're trying to get me to out something that I can't out right now. That's a secret between you and I in regards to people's love for the Blade Runners franchise. And all I can tell you is the feedback that we're getting if you were to look at it from the people that follow Pop Culture Cosmos, they seem to like a lot of the things we like when it comes to Mass Effect, Uncharted, that we talk about a lot. But we also talk quite a bit about the Blade Runner franchise, and that seems to be very popular among a lot of people that follow the show. So, you know, if we're going by what this show dictates, I'd say, uh, you know, if Ridley Scott were here right now, I would say to him, maybe you would want to lean towards that direction because of the, you know, like I said, again, the diminishing returns. Now, going into the, what he was almost talking about, like a prequel, uh, you know, because pretty much the Covenant uh, Prometheus deal is a prequel. And he wants to go ahead and bridge that gap to the original Alien movie by going into more depth on the Xenomorph eggs. But really, man, can I ask you something? Would you find a bridging of the gap between Prometheus and the original Alien movie based off the Xenomorph eggs? Do you really find that exciting? I mean, you know, if you're really basing that as the foundation of a new movie? No, I don't. They they have, they, with the, this prequel trilogy, they set up these big questions and, and they were supposed to center around the engineers and then people complained that Prometheus was too, you know, smart for them and they wanted more xenomorphs and they wanted more nudity and sex scenes and stuff like that and that's what they got with covenant and now i just i don't care what happens and i i feel like i can't be the only one though what i mean what do you i'm sure that you've seen covenant what are your thoughts on it am i am i alone on this island covenant was a disappointment well i mean the 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 critics hated prometheus but they loved covenant and the people that like the the true like fans of the franchise Opposite. liked prometheus but didn't like covenant so naturally really scott wanted to go with what the critics wanted but that just doesn't make sense to me like why would you make a film for them again it's just is there enough legs in this aliens franchise that's what i want to know that's that's the thing you are a huge fan of the series and when it comes to prometheus and, and the covenant and that whole deal is there enough legs to continue that part of it because whatever that third movie is has to finally attach itself to what we see in the original alien movie i mean do you really think there's enough interest in that or can it go somewhere else can it go beyond can it go to like after the completion of all the alien movies and go into a different i want to say atmosphere but different perspective a different point in time in the aliens timeline you know what would be interesting you know how with covenant they had those like two shorts that they put up on youtube that featured uh, james franco yeah you know the, the times when they're floating in the ship it'd be interesting to have like the beginning of the film be that bridge between covenants and alien and then have it jump to like a hundred years later or something and then we're still with david you know and he's he's 
realizing that he, you know, that obsession that he has with like Ozymandias, right? Like he realizes that he is not God and he does fall like Ozymandias, the, the, you know, the, the statue that all that's left is a heel. Like he does fall in that manner. Like it would be cool to, to see that happen. But I mean, I don't know. It, it feels like if they finish that and tied it to Alien, it would be like Revenge of the Sith. You know what's going to happen and there's going to be memes made about it for years to come. Well, like I said, for me, Prometheus of the two, and that's like, now that I got it straight, and was the better of the films for me. It was the more colorful, was the more interesting because it was a return to the Alien franchise. Covenant was just repetitive, and again, both had pacing issues. And I'll tell you what, I just for me, it was just something that I was done with. I never had a great interest to begin with after the the Aliens that you and I both are very fond of. In fact, it's one of your favorites. But after that, for me, the series as a whole has gone... And But Prometheus, for me, was like, okay, I could deal with it, but it just wasn't very... It, it didn't it didn't bring me in enough, let's put it this way. And, and then when a Covenant came around, it was just, uh, you know, fell down even further from there. My lack of interest uh, in the whole series, and that's the problem. I think, is there enough people for Disney to go ahead and say, yeah, we'll go ahead and give you a hundred, 150 million Ridley to go ahead and extending that franchise. Would it be better as a series for Hulu? That's some of the things that you got to start looking at is if it's something that can still go on the big screen. Is it something that maybe you want to go ahead and venture into as far as in the streaming format? Because that seems to be where all these fading franchises seem to go. Yeah, I I agree. But in Aliens Defense, though, they have been good at each entry in the franchise. They've been good at making it appealing to moviegoers, like in theaters. Like, let, let's look back at other big franchises, right? Friday the 13th is one that specifically comes to mind. Like, after the, the third one, they just kept throwing garbage out there, and it was just nobody was going to see any of these movies. They were all pretty much box office flops. But Alien seems to keep having that appeal even after not having as much tread on the tires these days of people still wanting to go to the theaters to see this movie. But my big thing here is if they're going to complete this trilogy, which I don't imagine if Disney is interested in, I don't think they're going to leave that gap there because they just they, they don't do things like that, that it needs to be interesting. It needs to not just be another like nudity and gore fest like it needs to have substance to it and that's something that covenant didn't have and i'm sure had covenant picked up in the uh, you know in the footsteps of prometheus this wouldn't even be a conversation right now they probably would have greenlit a sequel you know before the disney purchase happened well that's one thing i want to ask again we'll just close it out with this is there enough mileage as ridley scott put it in this alien franchise is there enough mileage to have something be a you know on the big screen once again is it something that maybe you should really seriously take a hard look at either canceling the series as a whole just leaving it to you know for what it is or maybe putting it onto a digital format does it have that type of future because i think if it does have a future i think it is on a digital format so here's what i'm gonna say you know after having chewed this over a minute i would say finish that third film close that gap and then do a, a, a reboot of sorts but have it still take place within the, the the timeline but maybe do it on a streaming service 
you know, that way you're you're not making this like something, you know, like a like the Hellboy trilogy that never came to, you know, I feel like Disney owns this property. There's a there's a big opportunity here that can be taken if they would just, you know, give it the, the TLC that it needs. Well, we'll definitely see what happens when it comes to the Alien franchise and whether you you're into Prometheus, whether you're into Alien Covenant, whether you're still into the Aliens franchise. At some point in time, Disney is going to have to make a definitive decision on whether or not it wants to continue the franchise, whether or not Ridley Scott is going to be a part of it. That's also up for grabs as well. What are your thoughts on the future for the Aliens franchise? Are you still interested in it, or is it something you wish would just go ahead and just attach itself to somewhere on a spaceship far, far away? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you what, my friend, before we go ahead and head to the break, and Ryan Tambasco, right after that, remembering Tom Dwyer of the Big Daddy Roadshow, want to go ahead and talk to you real quick about you know, we talked about earlier about sci-fi and Mass Effect and things of that nature and how much we have a great affinity for it. But there are games out there that are trying hard to replace that Mass Effect experience which Andromeda didn't give to us, which we're still hoping even to this day that Mass Effect will suddenly come back into our lives with a new Mass Effect game or even a Mass Effect redeveloped trilogy. I want to hear your thoughts, man, on... Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen. And the reason why I ask that is Elite Dangerous, they're coming out with some DLC that's called Odyssey, which is going to take this starship-based game and put it onto different planets and also give you the atmosphere and the aspect of a first-person ratio. So you'll be able to go ahead now and land on planets and go ahead into an adventure-type scenario. Star Citizen is a game we've talked about before on this show, that has been an alpha stage since 2012 has gotten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars backed by people donating funds and things of that nature for it. I mean, they've gotten hundreds of millions of support and they've gotten big name actors to go ahead and be part of this franchise, but yet we've seen very little in returns. It's all seemed to be in the in development stage, depending on how much you put in, you know, are you playing it? What, what part are you playing it? that game is supposed to have a a huge segment for a campaign-like mission. They're coming out with, in the not-too-distant future, a 40-game multiplayer DLC called Theater of War. Then they have their own other set of missions that's separate with Squadron 42. They've got this whole experience mapped out, but the problem is it's not been out. We don't know when it's going to come out. That's the problem, because the fact it is since 2012 in an alpha stage. It seems to be perpetually in development where more and more people are putting more and more money in. But with either of these games, they're not going into a broader audience, which is I think is the problem in and of itself. So I want to hear thoughts on either of these games, and can either of these games fill for the general audience out there, for you and I that are console gamers, that are not PC-based, 
that are just basically looking for that next fix in a sci-fi drama Mass Effect style universe. Can it give us that fix to go ahead and fill that hole in our Mass Effect size hearts? Okay, I don't want to disappoint you, but I don't think so. You know, you're I disappointed me. You, <laughs> well, I know you're a fan. I just don't want to let you down. You know, it's it's. Here, I'm a fan of thing. Mass Effect, but I'm not a fan yeah, well, of these games. Yeah, same, same. You know, and I, I do eventually want to go back and play Andromeda as like with everything fixed. You know, as the experience that it was meant, quote unquote, meant to be more or less. So. Uh, one day I'll do that, but not probably not anytime soon. Though. You know, as for Elite Dangerous, let's let's talk about that one for a minute. I lo- absolutely love the idea. I am 100% on board to try that game, but because it was not designed to have that first-person narrative, it was it's a flight simulator, because it was not designed to have a first-person narrative, I don't think that it's going to be that great. Like, it'll probably be fun for a couple hours in the same way that, like, Simpsons Hit and Run was fun, you know, when you're playing around with your buddies. Or even, what was it, uh, Command and Conquer, right? Where you're going around and your buddies set up their bases and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it'll be that kind of fun. It'll kill some time. You'll have a good time with it for a few hours. But I don't think, just because it wasn't built from the ground up as a single-player narrative game, I don't think that it's going to do much in terms of, you know, filling that hole left by Mass Effect. You know, on the subject of Mass Effect, Mass Effect is, it's... It, it's a it's a weird game because it's not a it's not driven by a forced narrative. You know, this is we're going on to Star Citizen here, right? And Star Citizen is a big game. It's a bulky game. It looks like, and it's got all this star power on it. Everyone's got their lines. It, it's essentially you're going to be playing a movie. You know, and this is my my complaint. Well, one that part I, of it is. One part of it is. I mean, yeah, one part. There's there's huge sections of this entire game experience. But the problem is it's just all there and it's just it's not complete. It's always an alpha stage. And after so many years in development, people just might not have any interest when it finally comes out. And we don't even know if it's really going to come out on consoles, too, which is a big key as well. Is Remedy still Remedy or are they 505 games now? I'm not 100 percent sure. I think maybe it's 505, but I'd have to look into it. Okay, so they had what was that game Quantum Shift? Do you remember that they were? It was a game that tied all these different forms of media together, and I want to play it eventually because I, I from what I understand, Control is is what links like Max Payne, Alan Wake, and Quantum Shift all together. Like they have their own world, which sounds kind of cool. So now I want to go back and play them. But um, you know, the thing about that game, it was very ambitious. People were very excited about it first because at first because it tied in like real time, real life action with video game stuff with other forms of medium had tie-ins to Alan Wake and some of their other games, and people were really stoked about it. But then coming out of the game, people actually have the time to play it. It didn't do bad, but it got mediocre scores. It was not what they wanted or what they thought it would be. So something like Star Citizen, I don't feel like it's, you know, even with all those pieces, I don't feel like it's going to be what people are hoping for. You know, we still haven't seen what the actual gameplay in this game looks like. It could just be a big... You know, these could all just be cinematics for all we know, and the the actual game is is not really anything fun. You know, and it's with Mass Effect, it's not a linear narrative. They don't make you go this way or that way. You make your own decisions. You build your own character. You shape your own story. And with Star Citizen, it sounds like they already have a pretty big story scripted out. So I don't know how similar to Mass Effect that will be. 
what's appealing to you about Mass Effect? Let me ask you this question first. I know that's something in our many conversations that we've talked about Mass Effect. You've never asked me that. <laughs> I feel hurt, man. I know. I know. I'm making up for for years of ignorance. <laughs> no worries. It's it's the sci-fi drama. It's the fact that you can go ahead and help create and craft your own narrative. Yeah, I understand. This is a game that was based in 2007, so the decisions that you make, for the most part, it all tied very close together, whether you wanted to be on the really good side or the really dark side. And I understand that it was supposed to lead to a culmination of Mass Effect 3. Your decisions that you made through the entire trilogy just culminating in something that was really going to be rewarding and it didn't quite work out that way their ambitions were very high and ultimately whether you say that it's because ea stepped in or or what have you and it just didn't work out fully 100 percent in mass effect 3 but for the instance in mass effect it has its issues gameplay wise it has its issues as far as loading and things of that nature that people always draw at it may not be the greatest and most fluid RPG in the world, but my gosh, man, when you create a narrative and you go deep into it and you look at it as far as from a perspective of, I could go ahead and save the galaxy by the end of this game and actually feel like I saved the galaxy, that to me is just what's the best part about it. And the fact that I not only did it once in Mass Effect, but twice in Mass Effect 2, and then again, to a certain extent, in Mass Effect 3, which up until a point of the ending was a really, really, really good game. People forget that part. People forget about the 90% that was really, really good. They just don't like the 10% about the fact that all their decisions weren't really factored in. That point in time on those Mass Effect games was really compelling to me, and that's what I love about it the most, was the fact that I could design my own sci-fi drama that truly made me feel like I was part of something really special. Yeah, I mean, it's all that idea of escape, not you fleeing from something, but something inviting you into this world and making you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's something that it, it can only be done in a trilogy of games that lets you take your choices from each game and reward you for them and lets you, lets you see them play to fruition in the following games. Like, that is... I, there's no, I've never experienced a franchise that immersive before, you know, granted, like I love me some Halo and Elder Scrolls, but like their their interconnectivity is not as is not really connected. They're all kind of separate stories in themselves, whereas Mass Effect really does feed into each game, because I mean, even the moment you you get control of your character in Mass Effect 2, right, like the, your decisions from the last game are having an effect on you. And that's something that is it is really cool it is and i don't think it's it's something that is going to be able to be successfully repeated in other games well let's hope that we can go ahead and have a return to the mass effect because our conversations veer towards mass effect and that shows you the type of interest we have right now in star citizen and elite dangerous and both those groups are trying really hard to create that immersive space experience is this filling your mass effect soul in your heart we'd love to hear your thoughts on that popculturecosmos at yahoo.com it isn't for us but it might for you and we want to know why so please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com
Well, coming up right after the break, it is Ryan Tambasco who's going to be along with me remembering Tom Dwyer and why he made the Big Daddy Roadshow so endearing to so many listeners out there. This is the PC Multiverse. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. And I wanted to take a moment on the show today uh, to remember someone that uh, you know I cared for as a, as a friend, as someone who being a guest on his show, the Big Daddy Road Show. His name was Tom Dwyer. He unfortunately passed away and left us all too soon last week. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we have to go ahead as podcasters and, and try and go ahead with the show, so to speak. But I was on his show several times and enjoyed every minute of it because we always used to talk pop culture and he wanted to always learn and know more and relate his thoughts and feelings. But here with me today to talk a little bit about Tom Dwyer and what he meant to him and also as well his show as a whole and what it meant to so many thousands of listeners that were out there is the producer of the Big Daddy Road Show, Ryan Tomasco. And Ryan, just great to have you on the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Gerald. I appreciate you having me. Oh, no problem. It's great to have you here. And first of all, I want to thank both you and, of course, pay my respects to Tom for allowing me on your show in the first place. He was reaching out for pop culture stuff and uh, I guess how we connected. And, you know, right there and then you you set us up and and the whole nine yards. So I cannot thank you enough for allowing me onto your show all those times. It was great talking pop culture. I know you and I had also a great fascination with pop culture and we keep up to date to it, but it was always nice when we could educate Tom on what was going on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun having you there too. And I know Tom really, really enjoyed having you there to talk. He he definitely liked to learn more about pop culture. He had a blast. He did have a blast. It seemed like it was it was like I was taking him to school. Uh, we were going to Pop Culture 101 each and every time as I was educating him on uh, what was either coming up with Star Wars or the Avengers or Captain Marvel or what have you. It seemed like he was always fascinated by the different trends going on in pop culture. And it was nice to see him being re- receptive of what we were talking about. And I, yeah, I know you and I had a good rapport talking about what was going on and the questions that both you and I were asking Tom as well. And it just seemed like he really enjoyed his time talking about pop culture. Oh yeah, he really did. And he was definitely a movie guy too. He liked his movies. He did like his movies, but his movies were a little bit older and mm. getting him in the theater as he did in his later years, as from what I saw, or at least in the time that I knew him, he yeah. started to go back again to the theaters from what he was telling me and just enjoying that experience yeah, getting him to see some of the modern stuff and getting him to see some of the things that were like like Avengers and Avengers Endgame and, mm. and Captain Marvel and all that, just getting him to see that and start appreciating that, that I think was a, a win for us guys in pop culture. Yeah, he was definitely into a lot of the older Marvel stuff. Uh, yeah, he did go to see Endgame. I remember, uh, I remember him coming back from the movie theater. He sent me a message on Facebook uh, before he left the parking lot, told me I had to go see it. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, anytime you're able to get a thumbs up from him, I'm sure that was greatly appreciated. But I only knew Tom a little bit. I only knew Tom for a short period of time. 
Uh, I know we talked a little bit about our similar backgrounds here in Vegas because he was a major part at one time of the poker scene as well. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fill in the listeners why Tom was so special to so many listeners out there on his Big Daddy Roadshow and to you as well. He was a straight shooter. He wasn't afraid to tell it like it was. But as I said in the post that I put up on the Big Daddy Roadshow page, he, he was able to do it so compassionately. Like you, you usually didn't take offense what he had to say if he was giving you constructive criticism. And he, he was very good at that. But Tom, Tom was a, he was a goofball. I absolutely loved spending time around him. I used to go over to his house and try and help him you know, come up with new intro music. I uh, just try and help him with the computer setup and all that. The first time I ever went over to Tom's house, and we, we don't live very, at, the, at that time, we didn't live very far from each other, a couple miles. So I kind of knew the area he lived in. I was like, well, Tom, what's your address? I'll just, I'll put it in my phone. He was like, don't, he's like, I'm not giving you my address. He was like, just drive down the road. He's like, and I'll just stand there waving my arms in the middle of the road. He's like, you'll know right where I am. And the car in front of me knew right where he was too, because the looks he got were pretty comical. He liked talking to people. He liked engaging people. I know his ultimate goal was to his ultimate goal was to to literally make it a road show. He wanted to be on the road doing this. You know, yeah, he wanted yeah. to be traveling to the different places, and he never actually got to do that. That saddens me a little bit. It saddens me as well because I know he had great plans for it. He talked about going here, going there. He actually reached out to me and said, "I'll see you in Vegas, and mm -hmm. do the Big Daddy Road Show from there." I know he had great plans, like you said, but. You know, your time working on the show with him, I know you'll always treasure it, but were there any special moments that really stick out in your mind? The after-show conversations. As soon as our shows end, nine times out of ten, either he would call me or I him, and we would, we would be on, on a call till five in the morning. You know, our shows ended at one in the morning, we'd be on a call till five in the morning, and I'd be kicking myself in the butt the next day because I had work. <laughs> but That's it was nice. worth it. I, I, cher I cherish all those moments. That sounds like Tom. I mean, you can never just say no to the man. He, you know, he was always so convincing. Uh, he was always just out there, like you said, reaching out to different people, reaching out to people that in his show that I, I saw him communicate with uh, so fondly, some, some of it in a joking way, some of it in a straightforward way. He, like you said, he was always a straight shooter. But, uh, you know, the the show itself, it garnered so many fans that, were very into the show and what was it like him interacting with his fans you could just see if you just if you go back and look at his videos you could see the look at his eye just he loved he loved being able to communicate with people outside of the show every time i'd meet up with him somewhere he would always be a half hour late because he was busy communicating with somebody and learning someone's life story and you you, you can he's the kind of person you just couldn't be mad at him for it no. If anything, if anything, I told him to stay there and talk as long as he wanted, you know, not to not to worry about running late. Yeah, I'm just so sorry that he's gone from us far too soon. I'm thanking you for the time I spent with him and you on the show. It's just always such a pleasure talking to you about pop culture. I know he would probably want us to talk a little bit of pop culture before we head on out. So I will do yep. so. Because <laughs> again, when we would seem like whenever I'm on the show with you and him, it seemed like both you and I were educating him on pop culture. It's, it was yeah. actually quite amusing for me because it's always great when I can go ahead and have those conversations in real life about, oh, you didn't know about this about Marvel or you didn't hear the news about this about Star Wars or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But 
before we head on out, is there something that in the in the movie world that you really think I want to touch on? Because it doesn't look like the theaters are going to open up to any large extent until possibly July. The mm-hmm. first movie that's targeting it is Jonathan Nolan's Tenet, which I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if you've seen the trailer or not. This has blown me away. I really want to go see this film. I'm, I'm scared to go back into the theaters on a personal level. Yeah. But if there's any movie that's drawing me in, it might just be Tenet. One thing I read, it's it's not completely tied to movies. It's it's an article I read that it, it was I I picked my phone up to message Tom, and and tell him, the SpaceX astronaut suits. Did you know they were designed by the artist that did Batman, Wonder Woman, Captain America? No, no, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, what was his name? Jose Jose Fernandez, I believe. Oh wow! Uh, he was That's... the he was the designer behind the suits. Last week, before he passed away, I know Tom was very interested in SpaceX and and all that was going on there with the privatization, so to speak, of the space exploration for what we're doing now. I know that's something he was very interested in seeing more of, and I I know that's what a lot of more people to do too as well. They want to see where we can go from here on, and it's a very encouraging sign for those interested in space exploration. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that, like you said, that's interesting that it has that pop culture mix added added on top to it. Yeah, I, I immediately wanted to tell him just because it, it's something that I know he would have been all over because it was the person who designed some of the Batman stuff. I remember him having a great affinity for uh, the Batman character. It's so funny. And mm-hmm. now we've got the Snyder Cut could be returning to us sometime in 2021 on HBO Max. Zack Snyder's vision of what the Justice League in his eyes, should have been. It's actually most likely going to be enough footage there for a six or seven or even an eight-episode format as opposed to a four-hour film, which he was really intending to put out there before his unfortunate circumstances with his daughter. So are you excited by this revelation that the Snyder Cut is actually real and that it actually will become a reality next year on HBO Max? It's going to be interesting to see what, what all it entails. Like I said, I'm not a big movie guy. I'm not a big TV guy. But when it comes to comic book related things, you know, especially stuff that ties into that, I I think it could be real interesting to see. Mm -hmm. But it is coming nonetheless. And I'm very happy to see that. I'm sorry it's under such difficult circumstances. Next year is the key, my friend. And it's this because you have the Eternals in February and Shang-Chi in May. Two unknown properties, even though you're a comic book guy. And you mm-hmm. know them. Yes. And you might have read them. The general public out there doesn't know them. This is like similar to what we saw with Guardians of the Galaxy. But then again, yeah. Marvel was on such a roll by 2014, it was kind of okay that they could go ahead and put that out. You're assuming that Marvel's going to have that role start ramp up again after Black Widow to go ahead and say, you know what? I will not only watch one unknown property but two unknown property and have that faith that Marvel can push it through. Uh, they're going to draw in just because of the Marvel brand. They'll, they'll draw a lot of people and it's, it's new and it's Marvel as bad as it is. I'm actually looking forward to new venom with the return of carnage and Woody Harrelson playing carnage. That's going to be a very interesting mix, but I got to talk to you about the this whole spider verse thing because uh, they talked about Sony has two weeks ago, almost that they talked yeah. about, yeah, that they've added more movies in development for the Spider Verse. 
Yeah, where do they say it? It's 2022, I think. Yeah, 2022. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse, I can understand because that movie was a hit. Yeah. Uh, Venom, too, I can understand because even though I personally did not care for a movie very much, $700 million for an R-rated yeah. movie. You, you can't, ar- go ahead can't argue make, that. <laughs> can't, I can't argue with the chunk of change. Sinister Six movie. That should be a given at some point in time, it, it migrating into that type of movie. But then all the other stuff on the Morbius, we're, we're going to see possibly even a Craven the Hunter movie. I'm just going to say a Silver Sable. You know, it just all these other movies when it starts to branch out, I think it's Sony grabbing too much. And I think they're going, it's end, end up going to be diluting it even too much because I'm not sure exactly to what extent people are willing or the general public. And again, it's all about the general public, not to hardcore fans. It's with the general public because that ultimately makes a movie success, how much they're willing to buy into when it comes to the entire Spider-Verse. I I think I'm going to wholeheartedly agree with you. (laughs) Spot on. (laughs) Because they have 900 characters. I get they have 900 characters that they can play with or 900 characters plus. But not every one of them will be commercially successful. Now, if they're blended into the Spider-Man films or if they're blended into the Venom films, and if they work, you could see it from there. But having them branch out as a primary and already knowing that you're going to go ahead and make a movie and develop a movie off them, there's a point in time where you say maybe these risks aren't, you know, maybe you're diluting the Spider-Man brand even more. Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I I can't argue that I I agree, spot on. <laughs> so so I ask you, my friend, before we head on out, uh, you know, is there anything else in pop culture you're you know that you're following, that you're trending, that you know, like I said, you're not big on the movies and TVs per se, but I know there's always stuff you're talking about when or or that you're looking at when it comes to pop culture. Uh, most of the pop culture I follow is either technology or science based. That's not a bad way to go, my friend. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a technology nut. <laughs> That's always a great thing, and and you see the advancement of technology, whether it's the, either the new renditions of the phones that come out, as far as what phones that were coming in, because it seems to be yeah. what types of adjustments that they can make each and every time, or or where we go from here. Like you said, even if it comes to SpaceX, I mean, there's so many different types of things that we're seeing technology-wise. I know a lot of uh, emphasis right now as far as technology is placed on the streaming markets because that seems to be a push on where they want you to go is different streaming outlets oh, and yeah. entities. Yeah, so, they're trying to they're trying to drop all the cable, you know, have everything have everything on online based more or less. Exactly, exactly. But and that's that, you know, it's you know, it's the that's the mentality of connected society. It is, it is, and you know, taking advantage of it is is not exactly the worst thing in the world. It's what capitalism is all about in our society, and, and definitely a lot of people want to go ahead and take advantage of it. No problem with that. It's, you know, it's the things that we do in our society, and I get that. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to know if you want to share any final thoughts on Tom, what he meant to you, and and basically the legacy that he leaves behind. Well, I mean, Tom, Tom was like a, like he was a father figure to me. You know, I went through some tough times in my life personally, and he was the person that was there and he knocked me on my ass and I needed it when that, when, when I was going through a rough patch in my life, I absolutely needed that. And he was there for me every, every step of the way. 
I needed him. It didn't matter if it was 12 in the afternoon or midnight, four in the morning. I messaged him. He was there. And that's how he was for everybody, not just me. That you know, sounds so like Tom. He's, he's going to be missed just for his, you know, how genuine he was and how honest he was. He was, he was one of the most real people you're going to meet. He was, and I'm going to deeply miss him as well. And to uh, the thousands of listeners that listened to your show and watched your show and were was able to interact, I'm sure we'll be missing his, his voice as well. It is Tom Dwyer. He did pass away last week. Our thoughts are with his family. Our thoughts were with you, Ryan. And I cannot thank you enough on this difficult time for you to come and speak to me. I just truly appreciate you taking the time to do so. And tell you what, you're welcome back in happier times to come on and talk pop culture with me at any point in time. Because, again, it's always good to catch up with you. And I feel like if we do, I know Tom is probably somewhere up there listening in, getting a little bit of an education on Pop Culture 101. Hey, he'll see all the movies before we do. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Well, again, it is Ryan Tabasco, and I'll tell you what, it's just so great to have you on the show. You're always welcome back right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back to close out the show. This is PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Ryan John Tabasco for stopping by to talk about Tom Dwyer, the late Tom Dwyer of the Big Daddy Road Show and his memories. Cannot thank him enough for spending some time with us. But before we head on out, my friend, I love the fact that retro is now in vogue. I love the fact that all these gaming systems from the past are now being brought back into our memory. I mean, we've seen what the you know mini Atari, mini Nintendo stuff, mini Sega stuff has been introduced in the past, like the Genesis. And television is actually working on something right and now. Television, ColecoVision, Commodore sixty four, all this retro stuff is great, man. But Sega is just about ready to go ahead and launch later this year. They just announced it this week. The Game Gear Micro. I knew you were waiting for it, man. I knew you were just with bated breath that you were just waiting for this to happen. But the Game Gear Micro is coming out later this year to Japan and the U.S. going to be, I think, around 50 bucks for each unit. 
little mini handheld, which was already a mini handheld, but it's going to even be a smaller handheld. And it's going to come in four different colors, each with four games each. Obviously, Sonic is going to be part of one, and you know, some other games are going to be part of the other, like Shining Force Gaiden, Outrun, Puyo Puyo 2. There's going to be some great games that are going to be a part of each of these. Again, it's four games, four Game Gear micros each. They're going to be available. So I'm asking, my friend, I'm not excited about this at all. I wasn't excited about the Game Gear in the first place. So I want to ask you, my friend, this love for nostalgia, this love for retro gaming, I am truly embracing as much as I can. But for me, it stops with the Game Gear Micro. Okay, so you know what's funny is the fact that every time Sega or the media reports that Sega is about to make a big announcement, everyone's like, yes, it's going to be a new console. And what happens? We get like these these micro consoles we get these uh these recreations that don't even play your old sega games we get stuff we don't of a yakuza yeah we get things that we don't want you know like why can't sega just read the signs and make another console you know they don't have to make games they can have all those other you know second and third party developers take care of that stuff just make another console give people what they want you know and it's just it's really that i I mean i don't know what the logistics of that is but stop like doing all these false flags you know just give (laughs) give people something they actually want but you know on the topic of game gear i will give credit where credit's due game gear was not better than game boy but they did some things better than game boy you know, the whole idea of being able to, like, play on a screen that completely lit up and you didn't have to worry about getting one of those little, like, flashlights with the bendy straws and shining it over your screen. They did a great job with that. You could play the games in the dark. Awesome. Awesome. But the thing was a brick. It was just, it was an absolute brick. Like, you could probably use it if you had a home invader. You could pick it up and smack them in the head with it and they would fall asleep for a week. You know, it's just that's how much of a nuisance that thing was to carry around but it's going to be a lot smaller now and the only thing it only comes with four games each and for fifty dollars for these most of these games that are probably you know you and i could walk into a retro game store like retro city games shout out to them and get those for ten bucks maybe well here's a bigger question for you why am i going to pay for this when I could just go to like Target or any gaming store really or just go on Amazon and I could probably find nine or ten little knockoff consoles that have the same things but probably have more games I can play in them. They might not be good quality but you know for eight dollars and I can get 30 games on, on a little you know little tiny piece of plastic why what's to stop me from getting that instead of this? Really not much to stop you but that's the thing how much? does our love for retro you know where is the limit where do we draw the line as consumers and obviously they did well enough with the mini sega genesis that they felt this was necessary but the thing is i think we are going to draw the line with this i think it might have some interest in japan and certain versions of this might have some interest in the u.s 
but to sell four different ones with only four games each that's a stretch man that's a real stretch it is i and here's the here's a big thing too like if they were to make like a sega saturn mini or like a reproduction of the sega saturn that has games built into it or even some kind of like thing you can plug in to play sega saturn games i would be on board for that or even if they wanted to make like a sega saturn 2 i would be stoked about that but i'm just i'm not i'm not excited about this well before we go ahead and poop on it anymore we're gonna go ahead and let you know that again it's coming out later this year right around the holiday period uh october in japan and i'm assuming winter time in the u.s just before holidays it could be that great christmas gift you've always wanted <laughs> no but anyways i want to go ahead and tell you the black game gear the original color game gear that's going to come with sonic the hedgehog puyo puyo 2 outrun and royal stone the blue color is going to come with sonic chaos gunstar heroes sylvan tail and baku baku animal the yellow one is going to come with shining force gaiden ensai Jashin Nukinohi, Shining Force of Sword of Haija, and Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict, and Nazupayu Aruro Noru. Say that ten times fast. And the red version is going to come with Revelations the Demon Slayer, Megami Tensai Gaiden, Last Bible, and the Gigi Shinobi. So that to me is not a winning lineup right there for you, man. It's I don't see any of the famous Sega games outside of Sonic that I'm really interested in. Outrun, maybe. Maybe? But, yeah. I mean, you've got to be really into your Sega, the Japanese games. If you're into that, this could be for you. But if you're into more of the other stuff that Sega produced over in the mid to late 90s that was for gearing towards an American audience, this may not be the thing for you. I agree. So what are your thoughts out there on the Game Gear Micro? Are you excited to get it? Or are you like us and are like, ah, this could kill the retro craze? What are your thoughts out there on it? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, before we head on out, please, if you can, just wanted to thank you so much for listening. But if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, subscribe, like our shows, wherever you can. We truly appreciate it. And please, if you've got pop culture fans out there in the world that you love out there, that you appreciate, and you want to tell them about good stuff that's going on in the world of pop culture that you may have heard on this show, Tell them about this show. Tell them to listen to it. Tell them, give it a try and see if they like us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos because any help that you can give us is greatly appreciated and we cannot thank you enough for it. But my friend, it's been great having you back on the show. On Monday's show, we are going to continue our countdown of the top 100 films for Pop Culture Cosmos. We're going to be in the 60s just to give you a heads up. You've missed out on a little bit, but we're going to be into the 60s before we head on out. And then we're also going to report basically on what's going on in the world of pop culture because there's always stuff going on. But my friend, as always, any last thoughts on the way out? You know, I think I'm I'm good right now. I might be working on something here soon, but I'll talk about it later. I think I'm good right now, man. I th- This was good. I liked this conversation about Alien and Mass Effect. This was really appealing to my my geek roots today, so thank you. Good. That's good, my friend. Uh, 
Also wish everyone out there, as far as the astronauts for SpaceX, uh, want to go ahead and wish them safety. And also to everyone out there, speaking of safety, stay safe, stay healthy, and we cannot thank you enough for listening. And Josh, it's just good to have you back. It's good to be back. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Hitchhiker's Guide to Podcasting has this to say about the weekly Earth Station One podcast. Mildly entertaining, not nearly as exciting as the popping of bubble wrap, but slightly better than listening to Vogon poetry. Be mildly entertained by Mike and Mike as they tackle an assortment of geeky topics each week. Check out the Earth Station One podcast and let your inner geek out to play. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.